The stories we tell communicate who we are and what we value. Each episode, we consider a different story from our perspective as women. From murder ballads to fairy tales, we discuss the power these stories have over us all. This is our history, both real and imagined, told through the eyes of today. This is Femlore. Welcome to Feminist Folklore. Hey, guys. Are you in the right place? You probably are. I am. I'm here for it. Oh, yeah? I'm Rachel Marr. This is Mindy Scott. And uh, we're going to tell you a story today. Actually, it's my turn. So wish me luck. Let's question get into mark, it. Mark? You got it. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay. So, um, men, have you heard of the, you know, Oh My Darling? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's what I'm going to be telling today. I'm going to tell a story version of Oh My Darling. Whoa. Yeah. And I think um, I think we have some some other notes that I will pass your way. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. Yeah. Uh, th- of some problematic versions that we can also talk about with this. I'm really song. excited because I think this is something that kind of flew under the radar. And I think that just really shows um, the magnitude of how these awful stories are everywhere. Like this is, a, Oh My Darling, it feels like such a simple thing. You probably sang it in school, but I hope you didn't sing the other version that I'm shuffling your way. Yeah, let's get uh, to it. So, okay, let's let's get to it. All right. Clementine was the daughter of a coal miner. She and her father were inseparable after her mother died. She looked just as radiant as her mother, even in rags and clogs. Her hair was long and wavy, and she had a sideways look that was intriguing, like she knew it was going to happen before you did. As she walked the town, she heard it for the first time, a faint whisper that seemed to carry on the wind. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, my darling Clementine, thou art lost for me forever. Dreadful sorry, Clementine. That way of knowing, so personal to her, danced across her face. The wind never lied, and she knew her time left was brief. Only a few days ago, she had stumbled upon four lost ducklings. They had attached to her quickly, and she was determined to take care of them. Her ducklings trailed her as she walked to the town and saw her father. He smiled at the sight of her and asked where she was going. Down to the river to let the little ducks swim, she replied. He kissed her forehead, and she sauntered along the county road towards the river. The little ducks followed her in a line and began to cross the water as she walked across the plank to the other bank. They moved effortlessly through the water, their tails twitching as they skated across, and she heard it again. Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, my darling Clementine, thou art lost to me forever, dreadful sorry Clementine. The faint whisper distracted her, and she stubbed her toe on the warped board. She yelped as she crashed into the water. Her ducklings surrounded her as she flailed, trying to keep her head above water. Her father had heard the commotion on his way home and ran as fast as he could to the river, but like her, he couldn't swim. He called her name and told her he loved her as she slipped under the water. With tears in his eyes, he sang, Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, my darling Clementine, thou art lost for me forever. Dreadful sorry, Clementine. So you thought this was going to be a happy episode? Whoa. Did you think this was going to be a happy episode? Because guess what? It's not. Well... And the happiness doesn't end there because this is something we've heard so many different versions of. And there's actually a version that we do not have the rights to, but we will um, do our best in kind of alluding. Can we say that? Yeah, that's fine. I was just going to say also we couldn't rewrite it because it was so offensive. Yes. It was something that we just like felt like in our soul was not rewritable and sounding like at all 
well fair or nice and or, I, I mean i'm i'm ready to go there to be honest you because it. i you think go, it's something we really need to talk about and we have an extra special guest who's going to help us in the discussion of this um but there is an extremely fat phobic version that was actually performed and sang by bing crosby um where oh, even Cle- clementine <laughs> when she is first um introduced is introduced as chubby clementine um who weighed 299 and um, in the story of her, as we just heard, falling in the water, um, it wasn't necessarily the fact that um, people not being able to swim, but there's a line that says, hey, I'm no swimmer, but were she slimmer, I might have saved that Clementine. So if she hadn't been fat, she might have been saved. Um, hey, you sailor, ho, ho, way out in your whaler with a harpoon and your trusty line. So they're basically equating that she could only be saved by a whaling ship if that had been another option. So cool, 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 um, cool. Yeah, but uh, before we get too into it, we actually want to bring on and introduce um, our special guest, um, Natalie Craig, who... Um, I'm very fortunate to call her a friend. She is a blogger in Chicago. You can find her at Natalie in the city with an underscore at the end. We will link to her in our show notes. Um, We're so glad that she's here and she really inspires others to be your own goals. Um, And she is the uh, one of my um, favorite bloggers, but specifically around the petite plus size fashion world. Um, and she is a body positive advocate. Uh, we're so glad that you could join us for this because you are someone who has helped me. And I know you help so many other plus size women. Um, I just always appreciate your voice and everything you do. So if you would like to introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. So my name is Natalie. As Mindy mentioned, um, I am a body positive plus size blogger and um, I do help women shape and find their confidence through social media and through my blog. And um, yeah, every time, you know, something comes out that's fat phobic or someone says something extremely hurtful, it's always very shocking to me because I've kind of (laughs) built up a a personal bubble that, you know, kind of keeps me from hearing those things. So happy to talk to you guys about that today. And um, sorry, you might hear my bird Rico. (laughs) He's pretty loud. And I hope he's been quiet down soon. But we'll see. Hi, Rico. Hi, Rico. (laughs) And Rico has his own Instagram page, right? Yeah, I don't update it, but yeah, he does. <laughs> Believe yeah. it or not, sometimes he gets more likes and views than I do, which is crazy. Oh, so fancy. <laughs> he is. Fancy little bird boy. Um, no, that's great. Well, yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, I have to say that I, this is just one of those ditties that sometimes it'll pop in your head through different things. And I didn't know the actual words I'm realizing. I didn't know the actual context of this story, but mostly I did not know that there's other versions that are literally talking about the fact that they would have tried to save her had she not been so big and equating her to the size of a whale saying that the whaler ship would have been best to save her because Natalie, I don't know. I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but for me growing up, um, I actually was on the swim team and I was called multiple times a blue whale 
growing up is like, wow. yeah, we were um, the uh, like the Marlins were our like swim team mascot. But I had people say that I wasn't a Marlin. I was a blue whale. I had like these horrible things said to me. And as a child, you know, like that, it really can impact things. And I'm I'm really grateful that now instead of looking at my big legs and seeing, I mean, although I have to admit, sometimes those voices or things that people said still creep in. But now I look at them and I'm like, no, these have given me strength. They, I'm grateful for them. I love my body. But um, I don't know about you if you want to talk about any like nicknames or just this story. It really like brought a lot out of me, like thinking of um, little Mindy and how words can can really hurt. But I do wonder too, and I'd love to get your guys' thoughts um, about the woman aspect of being bigger. Like I think men, if they're bigger, get a little bit of more of like, um, I, I don't know how to explain it, but women are have a very specific way that we're supposed to look and be. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I would just love to get your thoughts on that. What do you guys think? I mean, I think Clementine, like you're saying, Natalie, great point. You know, she wasn't worthy enough to be saved because she happened to be bigger. Like, okay. Um, I can't even say how wrong that story is. But I just wonder from the female perspective, too, for both of you, like, how does that how does that translate for both of you? Yeah, so I think, um, I think, yes, you're right. I think men, you know, have afforded, they've been afforded, you know, the opportunity to be bigger without scrutiny. I think like people of size, no matter, you know, who you are, race, gender, um, background, I think everyone of size feels and experiences discrimination in some some shape or form. But I think that men have always, you know, like they've always been, uh, whether it's athletic or a little bit thicker, they've always been praised for being big. And like women, you know, you could say that a lot of women desire to be with bigger men. And I don't think I realized that until I started dating my boyfriend who is, he's tall and he has an athletic or thin build. And he always was like, I hate being thin. And I always like want, he always tried to put on weight or like tried to lift, um, you know, like tried to try to bulk up and whatnot. And so I kind of learned that through him that like, oh, I mean, thin men are even, you know, seeing some discrimination or, or feeling like insecure about their body. And I think also like maybe from a fashion perspective, men have always had access to like larger clothes, like the double XL and the triple XL has always been like a part of their you know section in the store whereas like plus size women haven't and that just kind of goes along with everything else in society that tells us like we don't deserve basic things like um beautiful clothes so I think yeah men have been like kind of afforded the opportunity to be bigger without as much scrutiny but you know everyone of size kind of faces that discrimination I think no I totally agree and I love what you said too about your boyfriend because I think yeah, there's just, this is not just about plus size women. This is the fact that just society as a whole really through all these different stories that, you know, start at such a young age, they paint a picture of what had originally been designed as a woman's place or where we should be and what we should look like. And, um, you know, I mean, through conversations like this, that's why we're here. You know, we're really happy to just help people realize too. It, because it's it's such a journey, right, to all of a sudden realize, like, 
I knew that I always had loved myself and I knew that I had family and friends that loved myself. But when society is constantly telling you that, yeah, you're not worthy of having a clothing section, you're not worthy of having these things of being seen in the pages of a magazine. And um, we know that this isn't just something that plus size women are fighting for. We look at it across like, you know, diversity of ethnicity and, and, you know, sexuality and everything as well in mainstream media. But when we look at all of those things. It's just, it's, it's such a journey. And I want people to know that it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad about these things. I mean, there's so many people like you, Natalie, who are working to make the world a better place through like sharing your voice. And that's why we're here. We're really trying to do our part as well. But to just kind of say like, Hey, we've got you. Like there are these places where you can connect with people um, and, and other people to just kind of know that, the journey is hard and it's okay sometimes to be mad because I think that's a whole other part that at least for me personally growing up, I always was like, okay, well I can be the fat, friendly, happy one. That was kind of my role. And so I played it. It was like, I didn't want to be a burden on people in any other way, you know? And like, it's just, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack with that when you're seen as like an other Yeah. And I think the patriarchy does a really good job of like Natalie was alluding to um, what men should look like and women should look like. So I know we're femlore, but the patriarchy hurts all genders. It hurts all people. If you're anything outside of what is considered um, the the norm, which is in quotes, right? Um, Very, very annoyed quotes. Um, then it, it, it's hurtful. It's harmful to you. Like I'm, I'm not that tall, but I'm tall for a woman. Right. And that's a problem. I shouldn't be tall. I need to be small. I need to be petite. I need to be this kind of way. And I think there's a lot of, um, and for men too, there's a lot of pressure to say, well, you should bulk up, right. You need to be this kind of size to protect things. And, you know, um, when we start questioning those roles, when we start questioning, um, what makes somebody, a man or a woman or what makes, then it starts to kind of go on its head, which is what we should always be aiming for because the patriarchy is here to damage us, to put us into these roles that we shouldn't, we shouldn't be allowed, like we shouldn't be allowing it to put us into. And I think the work that you do, Natalie, and the work that you do, Mendy, um, helps to question that, right? Like what, what, what are we telling each other? What are we telling ourselves that we need to fit into, um, and so I think also just reading this Clementine version of the story, like, is so anger inducing that I don't even know how to like process that. I'm sure you guys are also angry. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you, what do you, like, can you guys get angry? I want to hear. Get angry. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do this. Go ahead, Mindy. <laughs> <laughs> get angry. Yell. This is ridiculous. No, I mean, I think even like. And maybe that's something that I've just conditioned myself, but like, this is my anger. Like my anger is that I'm not going to necessarily let somebody anymore. I'm not let some, I'm not going to let somebody get to me in the way of, um, making me necessarily lash out and yell. I'm going to, but you can, if you want. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, this is something that makes me mad, but I'm going to use my voice and my platform to help like you said, turn things like on its head to help showcase and highlight voices and people that are helping to make a change. And really just by allowing people to feel valid, like allowing people to know that you are enough and that all this stuff is just made up. I mean, we've talked about it before, but yeah, all of this was just, it's, it's made up. 
it doesn't matter. I mean, to me, what does matter is like, I want to be a good person. I want to help to make the world a better place. And that's my own view. You know, you do you. But like, just because you have a larger or a smaller body, or maybe even you have the body that everybody, you know, that society is saying that we should all strive for, like, you're also a person, you're so much more than your body. And that's something that I always kind of think about, too. Like, I'm so much more than my size. And I think the world is heading in a better direction of really being able to accept and appreciate people as people. We see a lot of these different movements. I know even Christian Siriano, a designer that I love, but he has a, a like phrase that people are people. And I love that. And I think that's really what we're ultimately talking about. Like this story in and of itself of, um, you know, little Clementine walking with her like ducklings, like how and why did somebody think that they had to add it? I mean, already there's issues in the original story, but then we look at like, they had to devalue her even more and they felt that the best way to do that was by saying that she was mm-hmm. fat. Yeah. And I think too, like there's a lot of different versions, like you're alluding to men. There's also one um, that Shelley Duvall did uh, where her feet were too big, which also feels very gendered, right? This idea of size, any kind of size as a problem. Um, and I think Clementine does a, like the original story is actually pretty sweet because her father is very sad that she's gone and that she couldn't swim but they've like it's like perversed (laughs) into this very upsetting um sort of ideal around women's bodies um that I think is fairly upsetting um and I I don't even know how to process it it just makes me mad I want to hit the person that well I kind of want to hit Bing Crosby and everybody come (laughs) at me big Bing Crosby fans come at me this is ridiculous how could he sing this like it's crazy well and I think I'd love for Natalie to talk about but what you were just saying about you know everybody else's opinions on bodies and I know I experience it but I'm sure not to Natalie's level the so many other people who think that because I am posting pictures and I am a woman that I am asking for or looking for sexual comments or even I've I've gotten dick pics before. Like for somebody to see what I'm doing and I'm trying to empower others and to sexualize it, like that just goes to show the root of the story and so many of the problems in the offshoot stories is that other people are making these things up and determining and placing value on things about Clementine. But Natalie, do you want to talk a little bit about all the, I don't know, craziness that can sometimes come from you flaunting who you are? Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's also the patriarchy. (laughs) Working hard is being, being a fat person and being sexualized. I mean, like every woman, and you could argue that men are also, sexualized for their bodies um I mean we're all humans we all you know are physically attracted (laughs) to to people um to certain traits but I think like fat women we are over sexualized fetishized and I think I'm just posting a picture of me in a pair of white jeans and it go you know men are just it's it's and it's to a level of just really dream it's it's not like you look beautiful in that it's it's like I want you to sit on me and smother me and like just really like I don't want to fetish shame anybody but it's it's to me it's it's repulsive it's yeah it's like first of all you are coming to me as someone who doesn't even know me and you are just really coming at me with a very 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 sexual um conversation it's disrespectful it's 
it's dehumanizing really actually um to think that you know people just view me as like a i guess a sex symbol i mean yeah it's it's insane but what the you know when i read the story (laughs) when i read you know like him saying oh she was too fat to save you know like this that and the other i was just like okay screw him you know (laughs) like Mm kind of how i go about my day every day if someone makes a comment about my weight or you know decides to discriminate against me because of my size i kind of just am like okay like screw that you know like i don't need them in my life but then as i kept writing reading i was like the amount of people who read the story and probably thought nothing of it just kind of explains everything you know, like people who are just like, oh, yeah, she was fat. Not good enough to save. Okay. Like, it, they didn't stop and think, hmm. Exactly. Like, what does that mean? Yeah, no. And I'm sure, like, so many people, you know, just read over and thought nothing of it. So that's kind of what, like, made me really mad. Yeah. I love that. I, I had the same thought in thinking about the fact that, like, Bing Crosby could have recorded a version. Like, one, who wrote it? Who helped him record it? The fact that he did it. But, like, you see these problems, and we've seen it before, whether it's Prada or H&M, other companies in different things that they've done in photo shoots. Like, I often, when we see these things come up in the media, I sit back and I'm like, how? How did nobody use their voice for good? How did nobody say, this is not okay? I mean, Bing Crosby's publicist, there was a big recording studio, I'm sure that they recorded it in. Like, oh my God, like so many wrong decisions across everybody. And they're like, you know what? This still seems like a good idea after like five, you know, so many people into it. Like, what is going on? Like, it's like the fire festival of... (laughs) <laughs> it's like the fire exactly. festival of uh, of songs. Like, right. what's wrong with you? Somebody stop this train. It's terrible. Yeah. How is nobody questioning this? God, somebody do something. Like, I don't know. And I think even Natalie, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you do handle those people and being able to just say, like, screw you. Because I know for me, it's so much easier for me to say that in social media in like, you know, although one time I did have someone um, originally when I kind of started blogging more, my page was a hybrid between um, me trying to celebrate like body positivity and just everything that I wanted to post about. And it also was tied to my wedding business. So I actually had my cell phone was listed on there. And I quickly realized and had to take that off because I received um, like, horrible messages and a dick pic on my cell phone. So that it got closer in a personal way. And obviously, I mean, you can block a number. And I I had those exact same thoughts like screw you. But I know even like, I'm sure you experience this sometimes just even in like, the real world. And do you have any advice for listeners around that? Like, it's really making me think of just I mean, this is catcalling at a whole other level that you're experiencing through social media. Yeah, and I think because it's on social media and it's not in my face, it's easier to deal with. So usually I just, what I do is I just ignore it because I can say that at the time it really doesn't take a toll on me as much anymore. So I just kind of ignore it. Um, (laughs) This might sound a little harsh, but every guy that follows me on Instagram gets blocked right off the bat unless we're close friends or we just made a connection at an event and you're important to me. But um, every guy that follows me gets blocked right away. One, because that's not who I'm trying to speak to. And two, um, I just don't want to have to deal with the over-sexualization and the fetishizing and everything like that. So I just, I just, 
I block them <laughs> and then I, I just kind of ignore it. Um, and that's really my solution. And that's really all you can do. Cause I'm not going to try and confront these people. It's not going to do me any good at all. So I just try to ignore it and move on with my life. But I do notice that sometimes, you know, some of the things that these people say, it can manifest in my mind and it can affect personal relationships. Like I can see it kind of coming out like, oh, you know, is this sign of affection? Like, is it because of my body or is it because of this reason? You know, like kind of, uh, it, it does manifest itself in some way, even though I try to ignore it. But I mean, the best thing you can do is really just kind of block it out ignore it and don't engage. That's, mm-hmm. that's my advice. Yeah, I love what you just said there, too, because I think even the way that these stories can manifest, whether it's somebody who's, you know, trolling online or something like that. But I mean, that's femlore overall, the fact that we're trying to help people see that so many of these things, I mean, and unfortunately, at this rate, like we can't stop it. But what are those stories? Those sorry, what are those stories that we're telling ourselves and telling other people about others value. Um, And, you know, when you're talking about like, not engaging, I just, I think the story is kind of fitting. So I wanted to share it with both of you and get your input. Um, I had, I went to an event a couple weeks ago, and there was a valet parking garage that I, I did spot hero, it was really close. So I pull in and I was trying to figure out um, the pricing and if I should do spot hero or just pay. And the guy was just being a little like, I could tell he was kind of trying to flirt with me. He kept calling me like little lady. And I'm like, there's just these things. So I was like, okay. And I actually ended up having enough cash. I don't ever carry cash. Anyways, long story short. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to be here that long. Like I'll just do the cash version. And somehow then he was like, oh yeah. Cause I mean, you're, you're a grown ass woman. You can do what you want. Right. Right. And kept, and I was like, yeah, I mean, I can't, but like, I don't know. It just was this kind of weird interaction. Cause I was kind of like, I'm just trying to pay what and then he was asking me all these questions about where I was going I was like dude I'm leaving but then I came back and there were even though I had told him I was only gone two hours he for some reason there was like cars parked in front of mine even though the thing was not that full so he had to move another car to get mine out which maybe makes sense everything just felt like a little weird and as we're walking towards my car he had to get in the car in front of him But instead, he was like, well, let me open your door for you. And I said, no, that's okay. I've got it. Because I'm like, no, you just get in your car and like do your thing. So I go to open my own door. And he says, no, I said I was going to open your door for you. I had this just like, it might not sound like that intense of a story, but I don't know how to explain it. Like you're in a garage. There's nobody else around. And I had this thought, you know, when you said that, like to just not engage, what I wanted to say was, I heard you, but I can open my own door. I would like you to move that car so I can get out of here because I was not feeling safe. I was not feeling comfortable, but I didn't know what he was going to do. He still had like we had just exchanged keys, but it felt very much like I just I didn't feel safe. And I think it's those interactions that come down to um, some could maybe try to say, well, he was just trying to open your door. You should have let him. He was like, Those are things that you hear through the patriarchy. But to me, one, I can open my own car. I can open my own door. And two, I wanted you to move the other car so I could go. So I don't know. I don't know if that's worth discussing or what you guys think on that. But it's just everything you were saying about trying to not engage. Sometimes it's really hard when you have to keep your mouth shut. Because I knew if I had said anything, it it could have escalated. Yeah. I mean, that's 
really scary. And I think it's sad that we have to cater to the male ego, you know, and that's not to assume that every man is going to, you know, treat you like that. But it's sort of this like aspect of dominance that they sort of display over you. Like, no, let me get the door that, that puts you immediately on guard. And also just afraid because you hear of men murdering women all the time for not responding to cat calls or, you know, hurting them or stuff like that. So in my opinion, like I, I mean, personally, I would love to confront a man in those situations and just be like, you know what, back up and don't talk to me and leave me alone, leave me alone, like walk away. But when I'm in those situations, I find myself just kind of like, playing to the needs of their ego and just being like, Oh, okay. Thank you. You know, like, because I don't want to, um, you know, infuriate them. And it's, that's just like crazy, but it's kind of like a fight or flight situation. It's kind of like we have been conditioned to do what we know might keep us safer than like actually what we want to do, which it's really upsetting, but that's kind of the reality. Exactly how you handled it, Mindy. Yeah, and I I think too, like this is quite a stretch, but here we go. (laughs) I feel like Clementine drowning feels like she's drowning and like, like men can't, like her father, who's a man cannot save her, right? Um, And the men kind of go around and can't save her. And that feels like my everyday life, right? Like, we're always in positions where if I get catcalled, I just like, "Uh and then keep walking, right? You're not going to confront somebody because you have to be safe. And I think, um, you know, I don't know if this is very much a stretch, but it does feel like the water could be male fragility. Hear me out. <laughs> Hear me out. I just feel like the fact that we're we're drowning in male fragility, that feels very real. You know, her father wants to save her. He can't. And nobody else is going to save her. And the like, forget about the people who, while she's drowning, making fun of her size. Like, I don't know. It just feels very... Like, I feel very bad for Clementine. And any version I read, it's always like, she has too big feet. She's too large. You know, she tried to do this thing that she shouldn't have done because she can't swim. And it's like, I don't know. It feels like I I, I can't ever swim. Well, I don't think that's a stretch at all. In fact, I think, like, what if Caroline could help her? St- or Clementine, sorry. That's <laughs> what Clementine I was doing her? the same thing, yeah, Natalie. Yeah, <laughs> what? What if she could help herself? Like, what if she didn't need a man to save her? Yeah, and like that's what I'm thinking. You know, like unfortunately, not everyone knows how to swim, but like in every case scenario, she can't help herself, which means she's relying on men around her to save her, which is kind of problematic in its own sense. And I mean, very problematic. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny about that is that they're telling us it's problematic, right? Like, I don't know what the end goal of the original story. I'm not talking like the terrible Bing Crosby version. Um, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, you know, I feel like there's something there about like, well, great. A woman can't be her own driver, but she also cannot be saved. So like, just drown, like, fuck it. And you know, you're sitting there like reading the story and it's, it's very upsetting. It makes you feel very powerless. And I think that's exactly what society is trying to tell you to be. Be somebody that cannot, um, that can't do this thing, that can't, you know, rise, that like can't help get above this, right? And I think that, um, I don't know where to go with that, but I'm just very mad about it. I'm just stewing in my anger right here. No, I get it. And it's it's kind of making me think, um, 
I don't know, something you guys were talking about earlier, you know, this is not to say that the only way to save women or to save anyone in a minority group in the broader sense is through allyship. But I do, I strongly believe in that. Like there's oftentimes or even, you know, we're white women, we need to be speaking up and standing up for, you know, a minority women. We were talking in another episode just like about the pay gap and, um, women making less than our male counterparts. But then when you look at minority women making even less than white women, um, and it, it, this is just making me think too, when I think back to that situation in the parking garage, had I been with my husband, that wouldn't have happened. But also, you know, so that's, that's a whole other thing we can kind of dive into. Um, and then another part that it's just kind of making me think like, how can men stand up to other like when you see things like that, you know, I do encourage people to use their voice. If you're seeing some sort of injustice where you are at the typical societal valued more end of privilege to be able to say something and help. So, you know, I know I've been in situations like that before. Sometimes I'm strong enough to use my voice and to help. Sometimes I'm not. I mean, sometimes it's not right too. I'm not saying go get yourself hurt, like do what you can within your means. But I do think um, there's just, there's so many of these little interactions where sometimes all it takes is someone else to be like, hey, that's not cool. Leave that person alone. And we can do a lot through using our voice to help others. Totally. And like what I, I am a huge advocate for, you know, like making sure that people, you know, women of color are are empowered and like you can be that person to like be an ally and even like in a situation where you might see another woman you know who's in a weird situation with a man I mean like you could easily walk over and defuse the situation it might be tricky and you might be putting yourself in harm's way but I think like two is stronger than one and you know I I, I believe in diffusing that and even through like my, my blog, whenever I do a campaign with a brand, I always ask them, I say, you know, like what other influencers are you working with? Cause I want to make sure that the campaign is diverse. I want to make sure that you have women of color. I want to make sure that you have different body shapes and sizes. And, um, I always talk about at work, I always talk about, you know, the money I make or the promotion I'm going for, because that empowers other women around you to speak up. And close that pay gap because if they know what you're making, they know what they can ask for. And I think like as women, we just don't talk about that stuff enough. But in, in, you know, like we're, we're stronger together than we are on our own. And that's in like every sense. I totally agree. I tell everybody my seller. Just kidding. <laughs> Mindy's like, you told me already. <laughs> no, but we but even had that we talk. We did have that, that conversation because it's important to know what mm-hmm. your counterparts are making and be very like open about it. And it's really hard, like as somebody, you know, as telling that I, I really admire you, Natalie, for saying like, this is what I make and saying that in a, in a, like, in a, in a work scenario, like, I hope I can be that strong and say that to somebody that, um, is a little more junior than me. Maybe I should talk to her and say, hey, if you get to this level, you should be making this amount, like just so you know. And it's very important that you know that because they may not give it to you right away. If I'm making this, you could make this, you know, like I think that's a very important, like small empowering thing that you can do. And I love that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, we've had that conversation and I know I think even just across different sectors, different, no matter what you're doing, it's helpful to know what's out there. And I would say, so part of my um, professional 
I guess my professional career, the majority of it has been spent in the nonprofit world. And, you know, we, as a fundraiser, oftentimes something that did empower me is looking at and seeing, I mean, you kind of get an overview of your donors, some, you're doing like these donor history reports, and sometimes just see how much money is actually out there in the world. Uh, sometimes that could be extremely upsetting because you see that it's not um, properly shared and that like there's just so many issues there. But to see other women and other people, you know, if if someone has a capability of making a $20,000 donation, you can assume, okay, so they're making how much? But to be empowered and see, okay, so look at this money that is out there and to use it to empower yourself. That's something I was fortunate enough to kind of see in my um, career as a motivation, but it oftentimes would be upsetting too. <laughs> so there's a lot of white men with the <laughs> affordable it, income. To- <laughs> Damn it, Brad. Damn it, Chad. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> but I do think it's interesting um, just thinking about the salary piece. And I feel like Clementine, you know, I just feel really bad for her because she, you know, she was – trying to raise some ducklings, like she was doing something really good. And, you know, I, I don't think we're, we're not supposed to know very much else about her. I will say, um, Natalie, in this, in this story, at least, the good thing is we know her name. In a lot of stories and a lot of fairy tales, women don't even get a name. So at least Clementine has a name, which is upsetting that femlore, that's like the low bar that we <laughs> that we hold on to with our dear life. But I do think... It's a step in the right direction, right. but not not enough. <laughs> I mean, at least she has a name. I mean, there, there's, I mean, that's good. But then also, you know, that, that she is powerless. And I think, um, you know, I was very upset by the story of Clementine. I feel powerless all the time. I feel Clementine. I understand what she's going through. And like the men around you who want to help you who can't. And I think there's something so basic about Clementine that makes me just like my heart hurt, you know, a little bit. And I, I you know, I, I'm like, pulling this metaphor very long. Um, It's maybe too long. (laughs) It's like Boston Marathon long. But I think (laughs) it's something that, um, you know, we all feel, all women feel. And, you know, that helplessness from every side of like our daily lives. And, you know, we've talked about this before and how women are placed in this idea of victimhood and being victims. And, um, and that's partially because we are um, statistically a lot of the time. But I think, you know, in some ways, Clementine was a victim of of her lack of a of lack of being able to do something for herself and I'm not saying that not being able to swim makes you any like I'm I'm not insinuating anything bad there I'm just saying that I think the lack of swimming that lack of skill it can be directly translated into what we say women can and cannot do and it's making me think about the fact that so often you know I look at even my mom and I I love my grandfather but he straight up said that he wasn't going to pay for her college education because she was just going to be a wife a mother I mean so she was strategic and she got a job at a local community college where she could take those classes for free but you know everybody doesn't always have like if she hadn't gotten a job there she wouldn't have been able to take those classes um and you just speaking of like skill development it's hard to have um people to look up to when we don't have enough women yet at the top. Yep. And then, you know, beyond that is the other layer of then you look at um, different like gender, sexuality, uh, race, all of these things up at the top. But when you're talking about that, I think it really was speaking to me too, because lately I have been feeling kind of this, um, 
I don't know. Now that we're talking about the story of Clementine, I don't know if it's necessarily like a, a drowning, but like an overwhelming sense of like, who am I and what do I want to do with my career over the next however many years? Because I have to be honest, growing up as much as like, I consider myself a strong feminist, and I'm going to do what I want to do and like live the life that I want to lead. Within that life, I had always imagined that it would include children, that it would include certain aspects. I recently left the nonprofit world for another opportunity. And even that was such a big change because I had told myself and kind of sold myself on the story of my own development within the nonprofit world. So I'm refiguring that out. I'm here. I'm somebody who, because of my PCOS, I have had a very hard time getting pregnant and keeping a pregnancy. And I don't know if children are in my future. I don't know what that's going to look like. And I think this this sensation that so many women go through in so many different levels and these pressures of one, all the stories that are trying to tell you who you should be, but then on top, you really have to figure out who do you want to be and who can you be within all these different circumstances around you. And I don't know. We're all drowning. Kind of. And Natalie, I don't know yeah. if you have anything to say. I feel like we've been going back and forth for a while. So <laughs> tend to be long winded. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's like you guys are seriously, it, I mean, it's, as women, it's a shared experience. So everything that you guys are currently going through is is exactly what I'm experiencing as well. And I think, Mindy, you hit it right on the head. I mean, I'm 28 years old, and um, my, my two best friends from home, you know, one of them is getting married this September, and one of them is having a baby this September. And that's that's like a first in my friend group. And it's really, um, it's really pushing me to think like, you know, I'm 28, my boyfriend's 25. And so like, he's kind of a long way from getting married. And I honestly don't know, like, you know, I'm not ready to get married or have kids right now, but it's that pressure to like define, you know, are you playing the role of a woman or what a woman is supposed to be and you know I thank God that I grew up when I did and that I have access to so much information and so many resources to learn that like I don't have to be you know I don't have to fit into a certain role and I can just take life one step at a time and be 28 and be you know doing whatever I want not necessarily having kids or getting married not that that's wrong but it's just like it's so nice because I, I talked to my mom and she is kind of um and I don't know what her, her childhood was really like or her teenage years, but it seems like she maybe just learned about the patriarchy through, you know, Trump's presidency. And um, she's kind of, I think, like peeling back these layers of like what the patriarchy means and what it means to be a woman, because I think she's like played a role her whole life. And so it's really interesting to see her kind of go through that right now and I'm just kind of like learning through her it's just like wow you know like a lot of women are kind of in the dark and just kind of like live by this tune that we hear that we're supposed to act and look and feel a certain way and do certain things and it's it's really interesting to like watch it through her and her just kind of realize it at 50 something you know and and she's just kind of learning it's, it's so interesting but I I hear what you guys are the drowning is like a perfect word for it you're just drowning and what should I do and who should I be and how should I go about life it's 
it's overwhelming. And all you want to do is raise some ducklings. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want, you know, I don't want kids, but I would have ducklings in a second. You give me ducklings, Natalie, I'm, me. I'm there. Yeah. And I have Rico who isn't a duckling, but he's a, a permanent toddler. So <laughs> <laughs> tell Rico me. we say hi. It's about, yeah, it's, it's about the same. So <laughs> yeah. So you're already raising your duckling. That's a big deal. I'm just saying. I, yeah. Clementine had it right. She just, she had to drown, which is unfortunate because patriarchy, right? But I love right. what you were saying, Natalie, too, of um, that experience. I think we all learn and experience the patriarchy at different points and in different ways in our lives. And I know um, I often have kind of been reflecting about if I had never left my hometown and not that it's anything wrong with not leaving there or um, that, I mean, you love the patriarchy more if you stayed. But I think my own personal development and journey, I was able to really grow so much more just by getting away, experiencing other people, experiencing how other people live and just seeing and being able to kind of question these things. But um, yeah, it can feel really overwhelming. Sometimes I'll go down these whole holes of like, well, do I even like hair and makeup stuff? Do I only like that because the patriarchy told me I should? And now granted, I I do hair and makeup on the side for weddings. I do love it. It's an artistic out form that I um, have been fortunate enough to have fun with and celebrate and even within blogging. But sometimes I'll get down and I'll think like, why am I doing this? Is it just, it's a patriarchy of marketing, different women. And then now I'm like, I, it can, it can get down this whole drowning (laughs) cycle there too. But, um, that's why I think we all do have to find our own happiness, our own value and joy. And what I've really found in it and Natalie, why I've connected so much with you is just that, that celebration of people being able to be empowered and coming together, um, and really finding and celebrating who they want to be, not what the patriarchy is telling them to be. And I think that, you know, while that feeling of constantly asking yourself, like, is it because of the patriarchy that I want to do this or that I feel this way? I think like it might feel overwhelming, but I think it's so good that you ask that and that we continue to ask that because we're like real life challenging, real time challenging all these norms, societal pressures that we're feeling. And I think it's like going to therapy, like when you're aware of the problem you can fix it and you have the tools to fix it. And I think you constantly ask yourself, like, do I like makeup because of patriarchy? And me saying, do I like clothes because of the patriarchy? Like, am I dressing to impress men or am I dressing to feed my soul? And like, is that because of the patriarchy? You know, that's a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Questioning is so important. I think you hit it right on the head there, Natalie. I mean, it's just one of those things that we should always be questioning. But also, you know, being a woman is is complicated. It's it's gray. It's it's middle ground. And there is no right way to be a woman. There's no right way to be a man. And the patriarchy keeps telling us that there is. So fuck that. Mm -hmm. That is not true. Patriarchy, go home right now. You are quarantined. Nobody likes you. (laughs) <laughs> and I think self-isolate yes self-isolate social distance patriarchy <laughs> god damn it Brad that's what we need to do yeah um but no I think even within that um and Natalie I know when I hearing that you're 28 you always like impress me and I not that there's like anything wrong with being young but I still I just see like oh you're only 28 you're not like I'm 35 and I I still feel like I have so much life to live. And I think that's actually something to go back to the career thing that I realized I was thinking about is like, 
you know, when you start doing some financial planning or think about if and when like we're fortunate to retire someday, thinking about like, oh my God, like I'm going to be in the workforce for how many more years? And it's like, damn, what do I want to do with that time? Because currently in my career, so much has been about learning. And like, yes, I've chosen opportunities and kind of like jumped around, but so much now I'm like, whoa, what do I want to do next? And thinking about that. And even so I should share, um, I'm now working for a um, much larger company. This is my first for-profit experience. And I'm working on a program that um, is focused on helping to bring communities together. So it's still kind of non-profit-y tied. But within it, just having that experience of um, being in a larger corporation, it's made me kind of question more of these things. And one of the things that I've been questioning, and I was kind of surprised I don't see as much of, is women with gray hair. And I know, I mean, I don't think we really see this in the world that often. Like, I know I, my mom colors her hair and that's fine. Like, everybody do what you want to do. But I've realized, like, I'm starting to get some gray hairs. And Go for it. Get why does that hairs. have to be something that bothers me? Like I kind of I want to explore what where they're going to come in, what it's going to look like and um we talk about this on another episode, but Natalie as someone who's not even 30 yet and I I don't know if you have any gray hairs, but I'd love to get your thoughts on I kind of have this idea of a hashtag going gray for equal pay (laughs) movement. Because when I think about the fact that the patriarchy, it's holding women back already by, you know, we've already talked a little bit about the discrepancies within pay for women. And then the other layer of if you are, um, you know, a minority woman, there's even more there. But within that, so we're making less money. And then out of the less money that we make compared to our male counterparts, we then have these pressures that are telling us that we should get manicures and pedicures, Botox, we should color our hair, we should buy new makeup, we should have the latest fashion trends. Like of that money that we do make, which is already less than our male counterpart, society and the patriarchy is telling us that we should actually be able to have even less of it. So I don't know. I just wondered if you had any thoughts on that, Natalie. Okay, it's so crazy. I'm, I've been like, I'm laughing to myself this whole time because I'm, I'm just walking around my apartment, you know, just trying to keep Rico calm. He's on my head and I took him to the mirror so that he could look at himself. And I, and I noticed, um, that I do have gray hairs and I noticed it's a couple months, but I've seen, I see more today. And I was just looking at myself in the mirror thinking, yeah, this is uh, this is a lot more than I I had a couple months ago, and you know I wonder if I'll color it, and I wonder if I'll, you know, I'm I'm trying to grow my blonde out so that I can just be natural, and then I'm like, well, do I hide my gray hairs? And uh, there's a lot of them, and you can see them even from afar. And then you said gray hairs, and I was like, what? Natalie, <laughs> join me. Like, Go gray for gray. equal Get pay. Get that silver fox status that we're handing out, yeah. Natalie. Would you like a silver fox card? I'll make one. I will right. do it right now. It's so crazy. It's so crazy that you said that because I'm like, seriously, looking at my hairs and they're gray and I'm I'm 28 and, you know, I don't know if it's from the stress of having Rico, um, but <laughs> I I have gray hairs and it's, I mean, it is what it is. It's, I, I mean, I've been trying to like hide every part of my body like my whole life until recently and lately it's been like my mustache or like my chin hairs or gray hairs and I just kind of am like eh you know what like who cares 
and I don't get my nails done, but I'm like, yeah, I want to get my nails done. I want to have like a consistent manicure every week. I want to go back and get it, you know, refreshed and keep my nails healthy. And then I'm like, but why? Same. Like none of this is me. It's it's just, it's like all just a facade. Like what, I just want to be myself, you know? <laughs> well, either way you choose, we support you because yes. you know what? Women are gray. They're gray hair yes. and they're gray whatever they want. So yeah, I think I think just the fact that you're thinking about it and want to choose either way, like we're a hundred percent behind you. And I, I will say, you know, age is so funny because I still feel am I the only woman that feels like they're eighteen? Like people are like, excuse me, ma'am, and I'm like, What? <laughs> Hold on. I don't have a job. I'm an intern. No, I have a job. I'm not an intern. But like, you know, you just I feel like age is so funny and I was talking to my dad the other day, because um, it's funny, Mindy, Mindy, you were bringing that up, but I was talking to my dad the other day, and I was like, when do you feel like an adult? And he's like, I feel like I'm 18, and this is a man who has, like, a salt and pepper mustache, and, like, a salt and pepper um, hair, and, like, like he's, you know, he's in his seven. he's going to be 70. He has children who have children. Children he's- who have children, <laughs> and so it's just so funny, and, like, I just feel like age is so, is so uh, ridiculous, and you know, I, I think there's something so wonderful about wearing that on you and saying, look, I I am I am older and that's okay. And I'm going to be beautiful with whatever that is. And also it's okay if you want to do the other thing. There is no judgment on either side, but um, I will also be going gray for equal pay, mostly because I don't, I'm, I'm very lazy when it comes to everything, but also I, I support it, you know, and I think, um, like I said, I can make little cards if you would like one. <laughs> we should have That's those. silver No, but I, I think gray. about that. Um, my husband, as he started to get gray hairs, I mean, and I personally, I just, I love him dearly. And I feel like our love has grown the more that we've known each other and like grown together. But I look at him and I'm like, he like, he looks so good with them. And I, other people that are like, Oh my God, like you're, uh, and it's not like everything is just about your looks saying that, but just speaking in this realm, it is so crazy. And obviously this is kind of what we've been talking about, but that so often men are able to be seen as more distinguished or Mm -hmm. as a silver Fox, or they can be hotter as they age. George Clooney, George Clooney, you are beautiful. Even, I feel like also, Steve Carell from The oh, Office yeah. is a great example. There was this whole thing. A lot of people were like, oh, damn, like when like because he used to be this like funny guy. And then there was these pictures that surfaced mm-hmm. of him with salt and pepper hair. And everyone was like, oh, he's so hot now. And you know what? Like, what? I'm going to start calling you distinguished. Thank you. In general. Mindy, you're so distinguished. Right? Oh, yeah. So fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, anyways, Natalie, we are so happy you and Rico joined us. Um, we, oh, thank you. <laughs> we have Andy here in studio, my little dog. Um, he always likes to sit with us when we're recording. <laughs> oh, well, sweet. he's more well-behaved than Rico. Rico just literally <laughs> not care. Just give him a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was whining and whimpering. That's why Rachel had to pick him up and is now petting him. Because... But it's not like a downside for me. It's funny that you've painted it like that's a downside. Oh, Rachel had to pick him up. I'm like, oh. Well, it's like so true to the patriarchy, right? Like he's like, oh, pay attention to me. (laughs) What do you want to open my door now, Andy? Get out of here. I said I would open your door. (laughs) Get out of here, Andy. Oh, my God. No way. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. This was really wonderful and a great discussion. All off of a story that made us mad. Right? (laughs) Yes. It's important to be angry. Angry is okay. Angry is okay. Yes. um, Five seconds and third. Well, I guess third. Yes. Better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so, thank you, so thank much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, what, what does this episode pair well with? So 
This episode and the story of Clementine pairs well with a nonprofit called The Body Positive, um, which was founded in 1996 because of the shared passion to create lively healing communities that offer freedom from suffocating social messages and keeping people in perpetual struggle with their bodies. So we love this nonprofit. We love what they stand for um, and the fact that they're really helping to do kind of what we're doing here with our podcast. They're helping people to see through those stories that society and the stories that we tell ourselves about our body and our values. So um, we will be donating to The Body Positive. You can check them out at thebodypositive.org. And we hope that you'll join us in making a donation. And try to just lean into that wet concrete you get at the back end. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like lean into it. It's delicious. And lean into the flavor that um, you are not enough because you are and you, you are. are worthy. Mm-hmm. And That's on the front of your palate, but yes. make sure to just lean into that front of your palate. Hit the, hit the concrete hard. Is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? <laughs> the wet concrete. Just love it. All right. So uh, the body positive. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode, but you can always find us on Instagram at Femlore Podcast or visit us online at femlore.com. We love what we do, but we can't do it without you. Your listens, shares, and reviews keep us going, so please tell your friends about us. Femlore is produced by Mindy Scott, Rachel Marr, Aaron Crossland, and Lauren Crossland Marr. Audio engineering and music by Aaron Crossland, research and coordination by Lauren Crossland Marr, and as always, canine support provided by Andy and Cody. Ow!